Thank you for downloading another Uproar podcast. We're so excited that you're listening. and We'd love to invite you out for conference this year, July 26th through the 28th. It's going to be the biggest thing we've ever done, and you can get more information at theuproar.org. We believe that your life will be changed forever, and you'll be launched closer to your destiny and what God has created you to do. Right now, you're about to listen to our great friend, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Take notes. Go ahead and let this hit your spirit, because I believe this would be a life changer for you. This is a message he preached in 2016. Go ahead and get ready as he starts to bring the word. Praise the Lord, everybody. Would you stand back up on your feet one more time before we do anything else? Lift your hands to heaven and get ready for a word from the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you now to open up the windows of heaven over this room tonight. Don't let us leave the same way we came in. I pray that every one of us would receive a divine impartation of the Holy Spirit and of the mighty Word of God. Let us have a sense of how late in the day it is, about where we're at in time, and let us have an urgency to do what we're called to do like never before. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And we ask you now to show up mighty tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you believe it, somebody shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. How many appreciate these worship teams that have been just rocking it? Would you give them a hand let them know you love them? Yeah. Amen. I'm excited. I am so pumped to leave what would might maybe be this final word of conference tonight, but I've been pumped up in my spirit to give you what God has given to me. This whole conference has been next level. I've enjoyed every session, every speaker. It's been unbelievable. I believe that there's something going on at this conference. God's creating relationship. Can you say amen? Why? Because God's looking for a type of people in this last day, a type of people who are unashamed to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost that can cause ruckus on the earth for the mighty Holy Spirit and let the devil know he doesn't have control of a generation, but we've taken control back in Jesus' mighty name. And things are changing by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so tonight, I'm so excited. I've been praying for you today. Every person in this place is going to be ministered to tonight. I feel it already. Something's stirring in here right now. Something's getting ready to break loose in this place. And I'm ready. I want you to look at your neighbor and ask him this. Say, what time is it? Ask him on the other side, what time is it? If you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes tonight because I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff, but if you're taking notes at the top of your whatever program in your tablet or phone or if you have actual pen and paper because you're so old school and you're vintage, take pen and paper notes right, thank you, right at the top of the page. What time is it? Everybody say it again. What time is it? Knowing what time it is is so important because time, as you go on through your life, will let you know what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it. Many of us have schedules. You know what a schedule is like. You wake up to go to school, and there's a certain time you got to get up. If you're going to look right in the day and not funky, you got to get up at a certain time. Girls can't, you know, we, we, girls can't just roll out of the bed and decide. There's, I found one thing about women. Women have to have their time. Women have to have their time. Guys can just roll out. 
That's why I have this haircut, half because I'm losing my hair, half because I don't want to do my hair. So I can roll out of bed and just do my thing, but women need time. And so if you need time, it's like there's certain denominations, you know, they tell you it's wrong, it's sinful to wear makeup and to have that kind of stuff. I said, look, if the girl needs painted, paint the girl. I don't care. If, if it needs to be done, do it. It's not a sin. But here's the thing, is that you need time to get yourself ready. And when you look at your schedule, has anybody ever had an event that you were supposed to be getting ready for and you accidentally slept in in the morning? And here's the problem. You were sleeping peacefully and you were like, oh, this is such a nice sleep. And you rolled over and looked at your phone or looked at your alarm clock and like your heart just was like it almost exploded. You're like, oh my goodness, I completely set past my alarm. I missed everything. And now I'm gonna be everybody had that happen before. You're just like, oh my Lord, I'm gonna be late. The whole day is thrown off. And what happened? When you saw what time it was, urgency jumped into your heart. When you saw what time it was, urgency jumped into your heart. Time is very important. When they train you for sports, they train you, get your body so in condition that when the other team has given it all they've got, by the time you're in the fourth quarter, you can go into overtime and still have energy to keep going, and you know the game might be tight, and you finish the game in a tie, so they've gone to overtime. And when you're in the final moments of the game, and it's coming down to the wire, you look up at the clock, and you see what time it is. Time is clicking down, and you're coming to the end of the game. That's when it's time to step up. That's why I don't even watch the NBA anymore. Because nobody even plays hard until it's time for the playoffs or it's like it's the very end of the season. That's why I like college because those guys can't play around. They got to go hard because they're trying to get to the pro level. So they go hard the entire time. But when you look up at the clock and see how late in the game it is, the time gives you a sense of urgency. Has anybody ever been flipping through the channels late at night maybe? And you see they play these infomercials. Who's seen the infomercials? You know, you're flipping through and there all of a sudden there's Brazilian butt lift and all that stuff. And you're sitting there looking and there it is. And they're giving you all these different things. If you'll do it and flex it just like this. And there's a move, all this stuff. And what are they trying to sell you a product? But if you've ever noticed on the infomercials how they sell you a product, they don't just have all of the pictures of the before and after and all the things it'll do for you. Did you ever notice this? They also have a countdown timer on the screen. Who's seen it? And if you'll call within the next 20 minutes, we'll not only give you Brazilian butt lift, but we'll also give you 50 Tupperware jars. And people are like, oh, my God, i got to call right now. I need my Tupperwares. If you... <laughs> If you call right now, we'll also include a set of knives that will cut through a copper pipe. Like, who needs that? When did you ever get to a place like, dude, I, would, I wish I could cut through this copper pipe, but I didn't get that knife on the infomercial. What are they doing? Not only are they offering you more, but they're saying, if you call within the next 10 minutes, and there's the countdown, 9.59, 9.58, 9.57. And you know why they do that? Because psychologists have done a study and found out that when there's a countdown timer in front of your face, it makes the human mind have a sense of urgency. It's like, oh, if that runs out, I'm not going to get in on that deal. And people rush to the phone to pick up and call within the next 10 minutes. The only problem is, is that you are up again the next night, and the same infomercial comes on, and it's the same 10-minute countdown. 
And you're like, hold on, I just called last night. I thought that was the last 10 minutes to call. It's not because you were going to lose out on the deal. They just knew if they could give you a time limit, it would cause you to take action. And so here's the deal. you got to know what time it is because if you don't know what time it is, you can sleep through your purpose. You can sleep through your destiny. You can sleep through your calling. And so that's why we need to be aware of what time it is in the spirit right now. I want you to flip over with me if you're taking notes. If not, i got a lot to give you so you can just write it down. Trust me, this is from the Bible. I'm not preaching from like, you know, the Quran. This is from the Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 6. Paul writes this letter. Listen to what he said. He said, so be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. So if you're writing notes, the first thing I want you to know what time it is, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. You can't do anything until you wake up. In fact, if you jump all the way back to Mark chapter 4, how many remember the story of Jesus and the disciples in the boat and a great storm rises up and Jesus is sleeping in the back of the ship and all the disciples are shook. They're like, oh, we're going to die. Every one of us is going to die. Somebody wake up Jesus. And they had to run to the back and they had to wake him up. Why did they have to wake him up? Because you can't do what you're called to do until you wake up. And the problem is, we got a whole generation that's coasting through their life, and they're asleep at the wheel. They're more worried about things that have no eternal value than they are about their friends that are on the edge of going to hell. And so we have to wake up in a generation and declare, I refuse to sleep through my purpose. I refuse to sleep through my calling. I'm not going to sleep through what God's called me to do. See, this is the issue. Some people, you got to realize, you can wake up and do what God's called you to do, but write this down if you're taking notes. You can wait too long to wake up. You can wait too long to wake up, and it's too late. Anybody remember the story of Samson? Who remembers Samson in the Bible? Samson was God's man. But see, the issue was that he got involved with a trifling hoe. <laughs> and if you've never read the story... If you've never read the story of Samson and Delilah, Delilah was a trifling hoe. And if you don't know that, you need to go back and read the story again. Because the Bible says that Samson found a fine-looking woman. The Bible says she looked good in skinny jeans. I don't know what translation that is. It just said she looked good. I mean, she was good-looking. And he was smitten. I mean, Samson got overtaken with how hot she was. And the Bible says, there she is. I want you to see it. Judges chapter 16. And the Bible says this, and you need to understand it. It says, and Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. Now, i got to get you to understand what's going on here because you can read through the whole story. And you'll never read one place where it says, and Delilah loved Samson doesn't say that. It says, and Samson fell in love with Delilah. But if you read the story, the Bible says that Samson's enemies came to the woman and said, we'll each give you 1,100 pieces of silver if you'll betray him and bring him into captivity for us. 
And so she starts trying to get his secret from him. You're so strong, Samson. You strong. You strong, Samson. I'm going to tell you something right now. You fine, boy. He was like, yeah, girl, you know. I mean, you, you know. I've been working out and stuff, you know. He come in, you know, he always was coming over to Netflix and chill. And he was up at her house. Her parents were gone and everything, and he was in the house. And he told his friends, now, we're just, we're just friends, really. We're just hanging out. You know, we're just hanging out. And, and, you know, and she's snapping him late at night and all kind of stuff. And he's at her house, and his, his, the Bible says his head is on her lap. She'd pet his long hair, you know, because he took a Nazarite vow, which means he could never cut his hair. So he had long braided locks. I mean, Samson was the man, too. And he's laying up in the lap. She's, she's like, pulling on his hair. Boy, you so fine. <laughs> He's like, yeah, girl, you know. And so he's sitting there, and, and, and so she starts manipulating him. See, you watch this now. He fell in love with her, but she never loved him. And now she's plotting against him. See, you can wait too long to wake up. What you need to realize is this, is many people in our generation have fallen in love with something that's been sent to kill them. <laughs> fallen in love. With something that's been sent to destroy you. And so now she starts manipulating. Would you just tell me what's making you so strong? Why are you so strong, Samson? You so wonderful. Tell me what's up behind all that. She's stroking his ego. And he says, well, girl, you know, if you were to take some bow strings that were brand new and you were to buy me up, I would, I would lose all my power. And so now she does it. She gets the bow strings and binds him up in his sleep. And the Bible says, and he wakes up. Everybody say chance number one. It wasn't true. That wasn't really the way to take his power. So when he woke up, and enemies ran out from the closet. Now, hold up. I mean, I don't care how fine the girl is that I'm seeing. If I tell her my secret to my power, and she immediately does it against me, and enemies, my enemies jump me out of her closet. I don't care how fine she is. I ain't going back. So this girl must have been super fine because after that happened, he broke the strings off and defeated his enemies. And so the next night she was like, boy, you lied to me. I don't know who you think you're messing with, boy, but you lied to me. And this is the last time you're going to see me. <laughs> and so now she's messing with it. You, you, you didn't tell me the truth. You don't really love me. You, you, know, you ever heard that before in a relationship? You don't really, if girl, if you really love me, we could go to the next level in this relationship. You know, if you really love me, like I love you. If you really love me, like I love you. Huh? Manipulating. Manipulating. You can wait too long to wake up. You can wait too long to wake up. He said, fine, I'll tell you. You know, if, uh, if you take seven brand new ropes and tie me up, then I'll take my power away. He goes to sleep. He wakes up, and brand new ropes are binding him up. And enemies run out again. And he breaks them loose and drives them out. Oh, third time. You lied. You lied again. I thought we was tight. I thought we was real tight. Okay, I'll tell you. If you take the seven braids of my hair and braid them into fabric and put it in a loom, that's my power. I don't know what he was thinking about. Like, he's making weird, now he's making weird stuff up. Samson was not good at thinking on his feet. You know, it's not like, you know, saying, you know if you do that, no. he makes up this thing. And so the next, he wakes up again. Hair is braided into fabric and it's in a loom. Okay, look, it's clear, okay? She wants you dead. She does not love you, but he can't see it. you got to get this now. He can't see it. 
because he's so tied into this thing, he's so soul tied into this thing, that he's been through three near-death experiences, and he can't still see that this thing's been sent to kill him, because he fell in love with the wrong thing, and you can wake up too late and realize that the one that the enemy sent for you to hook up with was not the one God sent for you to hook up with, and you got connected to the wrong one, and they're not there to love you, they're not there to build you up, they're there to cut your throat. So finally, the fourth time, i got to get this to you, the fourth time, she really gets on him. The Bible says in the New Living that she messed with him so much, the Bible says in the New Living Translation, she nagged him until he couldn't stand it anymore. Girls can do that. Look what the Bible said. Everybody say you can wait too long to wake up. Watch this. Now God had given him chance after chance after chance. And the Bible says, finally he reveals the secret. Finally he goes too far. Finally he has thrown out his purpose and he would rather have what this world has to offer. He would rather have the woman than he would have the power of God's spirit. He'd rather have the relationship. He'd rather be able to do whatever he wants than to enter into God's purpose for his life. But he waited too long to wake up. And look what the Bible says in verse 20 of Judges 16. Then, once again, the fourth time, she cried out, Samson. He finally told her, if you cut my hair, my hair is the secret to my power. She cut it. And then she cried, Samson, they've come to capture you. And when he woke up, please get this, when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. You can wait too long to wake up. You can wait too long. People say, well, I, I've actually had people come to church and tell me, Brother Ted, I'm young. You know, i got a whole life in front of me, and there's stuff I want to do. There's parties I want to go to. I want to have my fun while I'm young. And when I get old and settle down and have kids, then I'll start coming to church. Then I'll get my life right and get more, you know, more grounded and level-headed. But right now I want to live my life. But here's the problem is that you don't have that kind of time to play around because you can wait too long to wake up. And God's been calling you, but you fall in love with something that's been sent by the enemy to kill you and people can't even see it in this generation and instead of out instead of being out pulling people into the kingdom they are out flicking balls at some little thing on a digital screen that doesn't even exist and leveling up a Pokemon on their phone somewhere yeah I know it's cliche to talk about the Pokemon but I want to talk to you about something tonight the power of God in your life is worth more than just one day a week in a Sunday morning service. The power of God in your life is worth more than five minutes scrolling over some scriptures beside your bed. It's time for us in this moment to wake up to the power of the Holy Ghost and to declare the devil won't have my generation. The devil won't have my friend. He's not going to have me. I'm going to wake up. Somebody shout wake up. It's time to wake up. Before you can get dressed, before you can eat your breakfast, before you can get on the bus, you got to wake up. I said you got to wake up. It's that time again. It's that time. Why? Because you got to realize what time it actually is. Did you know the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, tell us about the end of time. 
tell us about the end of time. If you're taking notes, it's in Luke 17. And they said, tell us about it. What's going to happen? Two signs. Let me, this is going to blow your mind tonight. Two signs. He said, two things will show you that I'm getting ready to come back to the earth. Two things. Everybody say two things. Number one, he said, when I come back, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. Everybody say Noah. And so he said, when you see this sign, when you see the things in the world start happening like they were in Noah's day, that's a sign to you I'm getting ready to come back. So if you want to know what it was like in Noah's day, you got to jump back to Genesis 6. And the Bible says God looked through the earth and he couldn't believe that the earth was extremely violent. Extremely violent. You look across our world right now. Every time you turn on the TV, every time you scroll through your social media network feed, you know what you're seeing? Another terrorist attack here. Heads cut off here. A bombing here. A shooting here. People being harassed here. People being burnt to death here. Every time you turn it on, you see violence after violence after violence. Rioting in the nations, in the cities of this nation. You see issues everywhere you turn. You can't even believe it. Like, let me just give you an example. When I was coming up in high school and stuff, I mean, we had every now and then there was an occurrence. Every now and then there was a shooting. Every now and then there was something like that that happened. But it seems like these things have ramped up. And it seems like now, almost every day, we get a report about something else happening. If it's not Paris, it's Brussels. If it's not Brussels, it's Turkey. If it's not Turkey, it's Orlando. If it's not Orlando, it's San Bernardino. If it's not San Bernardino, it's Sandy Hook. It's always something happening. ISIS is rising up. Al-Qaeda is rising up. Boko Haram is rising up. All these different things, just like Jesus said. He said, when you see these things happen and the earth gets violent like this again, that should open your eyes. It should wake you up out of a sleepy stupor and let you know, put your eyes toward the heavens because I'm getting ready to come back again. And I'm telling you, we're living in that day right now. Somebody shout right now. What time is it? Jesus said sign number two. He said it'll be like it was in the days of Lot. If you don't know the story of Lot, see the Bible says that two angels got sent to, the, to Lot and his family. They were living in the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the place was so wicked. The Bible says, now this is the stuff they don't teach you in children's church. You won't find this on a coloring sheet in your children's church class. But the Bible says two angels walked into town coming to warn Lot and his family. And the Bible says that the men of the city from the oldest to the youngest watched these angels walk into town. And when they went into Lot's house, the Bible says every man, not some men, every man in the city came to Lot's house and banged on the door and said, Lot, who were those two fine men that just came into the city? Send them out here so that we can all have sex with them. That's in your Bible. It's not on a children's church coloring sheet, but it's in the Bible. They said, this is what they were saying. Send those two fine men out here so we can all gang rape those two men. 
And Lot had been living in wickedness for so long that he stepped outside his door and shut it behind him. He said, man, 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 take it easy. He said, look, these are holy men. Don't mess with these men. I'll give you another option. I have a virgin daughter. I'll put her out the door. And you all can take turns with my virgin daughter. But don't touch these men. That's how wicked it had gotten in those cities. And Lot, who was supposed to be a man of God, had stayed around wickedness so long, wickedness started to rub off on it. I don't hear you shouting in this room tonight, but there's some people that want to just hang out at the club on Saturday night and do the same dance in church on Sunday. But you can't live like the world and find heaven to be your home. I came to preach some holiness tonight. If you want to have a harvest, then you're going to have to live with some holiness. And the Bible says in that day there was unbridled sexual perversion. Take a look around. We're living in that day again where the LGBT community has risen up and has shoved down our throats a message that everybody else can speak and say what they want with freedom of speech. Muslims can say what they want. Hindus can say what they want. Gays and lesbians can say what they want. And you know what that's called? Diversity. Ooh, diversity. That's a wonderful. It's the free country. And then Christians stand up, and we say what we believe. And it goes from being diversity to bigotry. And now they tell us you can't talk like that. That's hate speech. And we can't say what we believe because the Bible teaches prophetically we will be hated all over the world because of Jesus' name. Not because of our name, because of his name. And in the day that we're living in, unbridled. See, this is a day where people don't care if you know that they're perverted. They want you to celebrate the fact that they're perverted. You can preach like this. See, nobody, I notice nobody's running around the room. Nobody's chest bumping or high-fiving. But this is the kind of preaching that will bring power into your life and freedom into your house to work the works of God because time is running out. you got to know what time it is because if you don't know what time it is, you can't take the actions you've been called to take. Woo. See, you preach like this and people get quiet. You know why they get quiet? Because their minds have been conditioned that when you hear someone talking like that, it's because they're insensitive. But you can't talk like that and be a Christian. You can't talk like that and walk in love. Let me give you something. I don't have to agree with someone's actions to love them. I can love you and not love what you do. I have daughters, and I've given them instructions, and they have completely before rebelled against my instruction and disobeyed me. I didn't agree with one thing they did. But do you think for a moment I stopped loving them? No, because I love them. I have a relationship. I can love someone and not love what they chose to do. Why do you think that there's people that, you know, they have children who grow up to be serial killers? children that grow up to be child molesters and when they're on death row you got the mama in the room watching through the glass with tears streaming down her face crying and weeping why a wicked man that's about to die by gas or by electric chair but the mom is still got tears running down her face she knows he took wicked actions she knows that he killed many people but there was a connection of love there that even though he did everything I taught him not to do even though he did all the things I warned him against 
against doing. Even though he didn't live like I I raised him to live, I love him, and he's getting ready to die, and I still care for him. See, this is the kind of heart you have to have in this generation because what people can't see is that there is a Mack truck coming to destroy a generation. And many people are just goofing off on the highway and they don't even know traffic's getting ready to hit. But see, I've pulled the lens back and now I can see what's coming down the road. It's called the rapture of the church. And if this thing doesn't get preached and if people don't come into the kingdom, there is a day coming that it'll be too late. To do anything else. Jesus said something so interesting to his disciples. You know what he said? He said in John 9, 4, work while it's day for the night is coming. What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? You know what time it is? It's almost night. It's almost night. It's not, it's not day. It's not morning. It's not afternoon. It's almost night. The day is getting ready to end. And when the day ends... It's done, and hope is lost for those that could have come into the kingdom. It's not that I, you know, I tell people this. I've never met one homosexual. I've never met one lesbian. I've never met one transgender bisexual person that I didn't like. I love them. I love them. I just preached in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. I had a homosexual couple. They were the most faithful people to the whole revival. Came every night, two guys, sat right next to each other in every service. Power God hit them. One night I gave the altar call, and one of the two guys came down, got saved. I noticed that after that night, his boyfriend didn't keep coming back to the service. So he now he's full of the Holy Ghost. I started praying on people one, one night. Power of God, joy hit the place. I anointed everybody with oil. I came and laid hands on this man. The joy of the Holy Ghost in me started laughing in the Holy Ghost. Got full of the power of God. I, I don't, I'm not one of these guys, get out of my service. I see you two men sitting together holding hands in my service. I love them. I love them. They're a potential brother in Christ, potential sister in Christ. I love them. I love them. I love them. I love them. I'm here for them. I'm preaching for them, not against them. I want them. I want them. I'm not trying to push them out the door. I'm trying to get them in the door. I want them. I want them. I want them. I claim their soul for heaven. I claim their soul for God. I'm not telling them get out. I'm telling them come in. I want you. But you can wait too long to wake up. You can cruise through life and just keep your blinders on and never see the signs. Jesus said it will be like the days of Noah. Violence will be everywhere. It will be like the days of Lot. Sexual perversion will be everywhere. It used to be that if people wanted to watch pornography, they had to come out of their house and go to some place in the town where people were in a basement with a black curtain somewhere on a movie screen. Everybody had to come out with hoodies on and go. I'm describing it like I was there. I wasn't actually there. I knew all the details now. <laughs> Used to be like that. You know, all of, anybody got to do now is just pop your phone open in your room late at night. See, some of you, it's not the devil that's got you bound. It's your Snapchat account that's got you bound. Some of y'all sending snaps in the middle of the night that you know you shouldn't be sending, but something keeps pulling you back anyway. Something keeps pulling you. You don't even want to turn the app on. You don't even want to open up the phone. You know he ain't no good. You know she ain't no good for you, but something keeps pulling you back in. And you keep taking selfies with a duck face, just enough cleavage in the shot to want a little more. You understand, I'm talking right to you tonight. I know where you're at tonight, but now's the time for somebody to stand up and be counted for Jesus Christ. 
Christ because time's coming to a close and Jesus is coming back. It's time again. I said, what time is it? Somebody shout, what time is it? I didn't come to give you a cute message. I don't care if you like me or don't like me. I don't care if you tweet about how great this was. I don't care if you Instagram a picture of the service and say, Brother Ted's on fire. I don't care. Because the thing we need to realize is that we're living in a social media spirituality where people only do things if they think other people will like it. Because I'll tell you what the second thing, if you're taking notes, it's time to stand up. It's not just time to wake up. It's time to stand up. It's time to stand up. See, when you stand for something, you immediately have enemies. And they're not your enemy because of you. They're your enemy because of the platform you're standing on. They hated the platform before they ever knew your name. But the moment you take a stand for any cause, there's automatically people that oppose that cause that will hate you, like I said previously, just for Jesus' name. And the problem with living in a social media spirituality is that we're so used to wanting likes, wanting hearts, wanting thumbs up, and we're always looking for some approval. I, I've had that selfie up for like 14 minutes, and I only got like three likes on it. I knew I used the wrong filter. Should I take it down and repost with another filter? I don't know. Nobody even likes it. I know what's happening right now is Instagram's jealous of my beauty, and they're trying to filter my pictures. I know they're filtering. They don't let anybody on my timeline see my stuff. Why? Oh, I want those likes. I want those hearts. And that bleeds over into our Christian lives. So we don't actually want to do anything unless everybody will tap a heart over the top of our head and say, I like what you just did. I like what you just said. I like where you're going with this. I like the way you're living your life. And the problem is Jesus didn't call us to be liked. He called us to stand up and be truthful about what's getting ready to come down. And it doesn't matter. The Bible says the gospel is an offense unto many, which means if there was a thumbs down button, people should be tapping that thing and doing the O face. I like that Facebook has added reactions. There's not just likes anymore. Now you can look angry when somebody posts something retarded. You can look confused. You can put, <laughs> you can look surprised. I've been writing them about that for years. Please put a dislike button on here. Why? People shouldn't have to. See, when you, the moment you start living like that, what, this is what's happened now. You're making your steps, you're ordering your steps based upon what people value rather than by what God values. And so now I'm not being led by the spirit. I'm being led by popular vote. The issue with that is this. People's hearts are carnal. They're never going to love the truth in their flesh. If you're waiting for sinners to stand up and give you a high five because you made a spiritual decision, you'll be waiting your whole life. Because it doesn't work like that. It's time to stand. The Bible says Peter was the first one when he got full of the Holy Ghost. That when everybody started mocking the believers, the Bible says Peter jumped up. 
and he was the first to stand with the other 11 apostles. The same man that just a couple chapters before couldn't even confess the fact that he knew Jesus in life. He told this, even if it was just a little girl, he told the little girl, no, I don't know who he is. I don't even know what you're talking about. And the Bible says he started denying Jesus. What happened? He got full of the power of the Holy Ghost. And it turned him from a coward into a champion. And he stood up and was the first to jump off of his seat and stand up for the things God's called him to do. Somebody shout, stand. It's time to stand. Because Jesus is coming. We have to stand for something. I said we have to stand for something. Oh, my goodness. I wish I could preach this stronger than I am preaching. Because we need to understand something tonight. If we don't stand, if we don't stand now for what God's called us to do, we were talking about it today in the leadership session, is that the actions I'm taking today will determine where somebody spends eternity tomorrow. People say, well, you know, I don't, it doesn't really matter what I do. You know, God, and this is the problem with the way that grace is being preached to our generation is that everything has become inwardly focused. I can live how I want, and God still forgives me. I can live how I want, and God will overlook it. And he'll say, my love is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. It doesn't matter what you do. I, I shed my blood. But the question is, is that the gospel is not inwardly focused. The gospel is outwardly focused. And so I'm not asking if I take this action, what will it do between him? him and me. What I'm asking is if I take this action, what will it do to him? What will it do to him? What will it do to him? When I live my life, how will it affect those that are looking at me? I claim to be sold out for Jesus. I claim to love God with all my heart. But if my life doesn't look any different than somebody who doesn't have a Savior, then what's the point? I'm just a poser. I've got a mask on. I got the what would Jesus do bracelet. But I don't really care what he would do. time to stand. Everybody say this, number three. Time to speak up. It's time to wake up. It's time to stand up. It's time to speak up. Time to speak up. And say things that aren't popular to say. Do you know what the Bible says? The apostle said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we believe, therefore we speak. When people don't say anything about what they believe, it makes me wonder if they actually believe. If people won't ever say, well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to stir up any trouble. If you knew what the truth was, it's not that you're stirring up trouble. It's you're giving somebody a way out of death. A way out of death. People are too focused and zoomed in. This is the problem with our generation. We're too zoomed in. When you zoom in, you crop out other aspects of the image that you could be seeing. I'm sure everybody in this place has edited photos online. You know what happens when you do the crop. The crop puts even the, you know, the person you didn't want in the photo gets cropped out of the photo. The photo bomber gets cropped out. And so when you're, what are you doing? You're eliminating the wider angle view. See, here's what you need to understand about this, is that people are cropping out the spiritual answer. So here, let me give you an example. If I'm looking at you and, and, and I'm trying to get you into the kingdom of God and I'm dealing with you on a personal level, I might look like I'm getting pretty crazy and radical and persistent and going after your life. But the, the people might look at me and say, man, he's a spiritual crazy person. He is a spiritual wild man. He's, he's, like, he's like, you know, the Christian ISIS over there. 
just going crazy. I'm, I'm trying to pull you into the kingdom. You say, he's out of his mind. But see, if what they would do, if they would just zoom out and take the crop off the image, they would see that if I don't act like this right now, then there's something that's right over here in the image that's getting ready to hit him. And if I don't, see, if all they look at is this right here, they're missing what's coming right here. And if I crop in too close, zoom out for a minute and see the whole picture. See what's getting ready to happen. And when you see what's right next to him that's getting ready to come into his life and destroy his life, now you can see what I see, why I'm going so hard after him. Because if I don't do this now, then he's not here tomorrow. Everybody say one action. Say it again, one action can change somebody's life. If you've never heard me tell this before, I was preaching in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. I was preaching a youth camp, and there I was. I mean, I, Holy Ghost was moving, and there was a, a, a joy of the Holy Ghost while I was preaching on. I was preaching against, the, you know, anxiety and panic attacks and depression. I was going hard against it. And when I pre prayed at the end, all these young people came to the altar. I was laying hands on them. All of a sudden, there's this big 17-year-old guy standing over there. He's got his hands up real high. And I came over, laid my hands on him. And the power of God began to deliver him while I'm praying for him. I could tell because he started, I mean, he started shaking. He was, he was crying, the tears coming down. And you know when the Holy Ghost hits, I told people, he started jumping and dancing in the service. And I knew that was the Holy Ghost because there was like other girls that was virtual girlfriends, could be possible girlfriends. And he's dancing like crazy in front of these girls. You know the Holy Ghost is hit when teens dance in front of other hot teens. When you stop caring what people think about you and you get ugly, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's people that, you ever seen a drunk person dance? Who's ever seen a drunk person dance? And they think they got moves. They don't have moves. They're seeing their whole, all their moves are through beer goggles. And they're up there doing crazy stuff, knocking people over, you know, kicking people in the face that are on the ground on their blanket, you know, at the concert. It's like, what in the world? But see, to them, they're just like, they don't care. They've lost all inhibition. And when the Holy Ghost really hits you and really go, you, you go off, start praising him, and you get desperate for a touch from God, and you really need God to move in your life and in your family, you really need God to heal your body, then you stop caring about what people think. You stop caring about their view of you, and you lose your inhibitions, and you get ugly in the Holy Ghost and start just doing what God told you to do. That's how you know the power of God's moving. Pride falls off. So he starts moving, praising God, giving him glory. And all of a sudden I felt the Holy Ghost releasing that weight of depression off of his shoulders. Lifted right off of him. I saw it go right off of him. He came to me later. I'd never met him before. I, he came to me later. He's like, i got to give you my testimony, man. I was like, what? What's happening? He said, I don't even go to these churches. None of them. He's like, I came here because my friend invited me. He said, but let me tell you the story. I'm sitting on my parents' bed. They're out of town. He said, I had my dad's handgun in my hand. He said, my, the, the barrel was pressed against my temple. And he said, I was about to squeeze. He said, I had a one in the chamber. And I was squeezing, getting ready to blow my brains out. And my phone buzzed. He said, I put the gun down. I picked up my phone. He said, it was my friend from this church. And he just invited me to this youth camp. And he said, would you come to this youth camp with me? We're going to have a great time. And he said, I thought about it for a minute. And I said to myself, ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. He said, I said to myself, all right, 
this will be the last thing I do, and when I'm done with this, I'm coming home to kill myself. But see, what he failed to realize, and what the devil just lost out on, was that that would be the last moment that the devil would have the opportunity to destroy him. Because one friend took an action and said, I'm going to text my friend and invite him into the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. And one invitation via text just changed somebody's whole life around. It's time to speak up and say what God's called us to say. There's more in you than you think is in you. I said there's more in you than what you think is in you. People say, well, I don't know. I could never talk like that. I could never preach. I could never say those things. People would think I'm weird. And they think, I don't know what to say. I'll get all choked up. I'll, I'll have all the, and you've probably tried to witness before and invite somebody to church. And you feel all this fear rising up in your heart. Oh, I don't know. I'll do it tomorrow. But you have to understand the Holy Ghost empowers you. I said the Holy Ghost empowers you. And when the Holy Ghost empowers you, he gives you the words to speak. He's not asking you to say your words. He's asking you to say his words. Whew, hallelujah. It is time to speak up. We've got to be able to say or be willing to say what others refuse to say. Because time's coming to a close. And this is the last thing I'm going to say before I pray for you tonight. Number four, if you're taking notes, write it down. It's not just time to wake up. It's not just time to stand up. It's not just time to speak up. But it's almost time to go up. It's almost time. It's almost time to go up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Bible says that something is getting ready to happen. I want the musicians to come back if they would. The Bible says that in a moment of time, there's going to be an angel in heaven who raises a trumpet to his lips. A trumpet that has never been blown ever before. The Bible says, in fact, that trumpet was created to only be blown one time. It's reserved for one purpose. To signal the return of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that that angel will raise the trumpet to his lips and blow a mighty blast. And then Jesus himself will descend from heaven with a commanding shout. And something will happen. The dead in Christ will get up out of their graves. Now watch. And then those of us that are still alive and that still remain on the earth will be caught up to meet him in the air. It is almost time to go up. And people don't see what time it is, how close we are to the end of time. People have wasted their lives doing things that do not matter. They have fallen in love with something that's been sent to kill them. And they're coasting through on fumes, just hoping they make it to the next day. But God's called you to live in victory, with power, with momentum, with authority, and to live a life that is proof Jesus is alive. Look, if I serve an all-powerful God that is the ruler of heaven and earth, my life should look different than somebody who doesn't have a relationship with him. Let me say it this way. If I've got a savior, I should look different than somebody that doesn't have a savior. If I've got a healer, 
I should look different than somebody who doesn't have a healer. If I've got a provider, I should look different than somebody who doesn't have a provider. If I've got somebody who brings me peace, then my mind should look different than somebody who's got no companion or peace giver. And you hear me tonight. From the back to the front, I came with one purpose that has two different compartments in one purpose. There's two things we need to hear tonight. Number one, as time comes to a close, I would be completely doing you a disservice if I didn't tell you that you can't just come to a conference and experience the greatness of God's presence and think that you can go back in life and continue to coast and everything's going to be okay. Let me tell you, I don't know that there will be an uproar 17. We're so close to the coming of Jesus Christ. It's not because they can't raise the money. It's not because they don't know if anybody's going to come. It's the biggest uh, conference we've ever had. Look around the room. It's because Jesus is getting ready to shoot back to this earth. A trumpet is going to sound in not many moments from now. And there's going to be people, you hear me, there's going to be people that wake up. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you the actual truth. There's going to be people that wake up and their moms and dads will be gone. And they'll be searching the house. The cars will still be in the driveway. I don't know how come the cars are still there. Where's my mom and dad? There's going to be people that wake up and their children are gone. Where are my kids? Where are my kids? Calling all their friends. Some of their friends won't answer the phone. Some of their friends won't text back. Why? They'll be gone. They'll be gone. The Bible says there'll be two sleeping in a bed. One will be taken and the other will be left. There'll be two working in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. You'll be driving down the road joking with the person in the passenger seat and look over because they haven't laughed in a while and they're gone. Because people will leave in the twinkling of an eye. Because Jesus will call them home. And I'll tell you one thing. If I wasn't saved, I would get saved. If I wasn't ready to see Jesus when he comes, I would get ready quick. I would not keep playing with sin. And do, listen, you have to learn how to get rid of sin before sin gets rid of you. This is the time for us to take a stand for the kingdom of God. I know that not everybody that comes to conference is sold out to Jesus, that's living for God. Some people are here because they, a friend invited them. Other people are here because they knew a hot girl was going to be here. Other people are here just to get the, you know, the experience, the fun, the jumping, the... But I'm telling you, don't leave conference without knowing that if Jesus showed his face tonight, you're ready to look him in the eyes. I'm ready. I'm ready to see him. I said, I'm ready to see him. That's the first purpose inside what I've been called to do tonight. Secondly, it takes, if you're going to stand up, if you're going to be speaking up, if you're going to be empowered to change a generation, you have got to have the fire of God in your spirit. And I'm going to be laying hands on people tonight, and you're going to receive the mighty fire of the Holy Ghost. I said the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's going to burn you up and light you up like a lighthouse so that people will see you for miles and come to see what's burning. What is that? Why is the light so bright? They're going to come to see. 
Because when God puts his power on you, when God puts his hand on you, it turns you into a soul magnet. And people get sucked right into you. And they don't even know why they come to hang around. I'm sure some of you already had people say stuff like this to you. I don't know what it is. Every time I get around you and hang out with you, I feel better. Anybody ever had somebody say that to you? I just feel better. I'll tell you why. Because you're a soul magnet full of the power of the Holy Ghost. And when they get into your atmosphere, the evil stuff that used to touch them in their atmosphere can't follow them through the door into your house because there's something on your life called the fire of the Holy Ghost that destroys every wicked thing. Every wicked thing. And you hear me tonight. There might be people in here you're battling. You might be battling depression. You might be battling anxiety. You might be battling sickness. You might be battling disease. You might be battling addiction. But when I lay hands on you tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost, every evil thing that was hanging on to your life is getting ready to be destroyed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Stand up on your feet and bow your head all over this place. I'm telling you, get ready. Two parts. Everybody say, what time is it? It's the end. It's the end. I want you to bow those heads. Because this is part one. I want to be very clear about this. If you're in the room tonight, and you know that there'd be something in your life that's standing in the way of you serving God. That if Jesus Christ were to come back tonight, you are not ready to see him. I don't care if you're an adult in here. I don't care if a young person in here. I don't care how old you are. Everybody needs Jesus. And you listen to me. With every head bowed, if I were to ask you, if Jesus came into this room and said, we're going home, would you be ready to look him in the eye? Or would you have to turn your face away? Because there's things in your heart you know shouldn't be there. And you couldn't look the master in the face. Is there something that would cause you to be ashamed? That you wouldn't even want to be in the same room with him? Because his holiness would make you feel the conviction of heaven. If there's something in your life holding you back from serving God, tonight is the night to make a change forever. Now you hear me. There's people in here, you're already saved. I'm not talking to you. If you know you're ready to see Jesus, I'm not making statements to have a bigger crowd at a conference altar call. You hear me, if there's only one person in this place that stands at this altar, it was worth it. It was worth it. But I can guarantee you there's more than one in here. I guarantee you that. Get sin out of your life. Get sin out of your life. Don't stay in love with something that was sent to cut your throat. Get sin out of your life. I didn't come to tell you that it doesn't matter what you do. I didn't come to tell you that it's all right because God's, uh, the blood of Jesus has uh, gone into your future already and forgived every. No, I came to tell you, get sin out of your life. I came to tell you, live holy. I came to tell you, Jesus is coming very soon. And it's time to wake up. So in this first prayer, with every head bowed, listen to me. God's speaking to your heart right now. Those of you that need to make this decision for Jesus, you can feel it in your belly right as I'm talking to you. I know you can because the Holy Ghost is moving all through this room. And in just a moment, when I count to three, if you need to pray this prayer and you need to make all things new, 
Who cares what other people think? You get out of your seat and quickly come to God's altar, and we're going to pray in the name of Jesus. So if that's you, and you say, that, I, I know it. I've got things in my life that are holding me back. I need to get rid of sin. I need to be able to stand before Jesus and know he's the Lord of my life right where you are. Don't lift your hand. Get out of your seat and come stand with me right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come quick. Come stand right here. Come on if that's you. Move quick, 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 quick. Don't wait for somebody else. Come. Come on. If you know you're saved, don't come. If you know you're ready for heaven, don't come. If you know you're living for Jesus, don't come. But if you know that you need to make a change tonight, now's your moment. Move and answer while Jesus is calling your name. Answer, answer, answer. If he's calling your name, answer. Press in close, press in close, press in close. Whoa. Press in, press in. If there's even one more, people are still coming. Don't miss your moment. The worst decision you could ever make is for Jesus to call you and you hit the red decline button on the call. Don't decline his call when he calls. Don't dodge his calls. Don't dodge his calls. If he's calling, answer the call. Every head bowed, every head bowed. If there's even one more that's in this place, you know you need to be here. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? Don't miss your moment. Jesus is calling. I said Jesus is calling. Thank you. Who else? Who else? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for every soul. Thank you, Jesus, for every life. Hallelujah. Ten more seconds. If the Lord's dealing with you and you're still in your seat, this is your moment. This is your time. Move quickly. Move quickly. I don't want to miss one. Move quickly if it's you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hands all over this place. I'm going to have you sing that in just one moment. Now, those of you that are standing here at the altar, the Bible says this. If you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, it doesn't say you might be saved. It says you will be saved. And so we're going to pray right now. And when we pray, let me just encourage you. Don't mumble it. Don't whisper it. Don't say it under your breath. This is the most important decision you've ever made in your life. Say it with a bold and a loud voice and let Jesus know you mean business that your life will no longer be the same after tonight. Are y'all ready? I said, are you ready? Get ready because you're passing right now from death unto life.
Join hands with somebody next to you and get ready for this. I want you to pray this prayer. I'm going to lead you in it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Say it with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for sending your son to die for me. I ask you now, forgive me for my sin. Make me new. Give me the power to live for you for the rest of my life. Until I die or until you come to get me. In Jesus' name, I'm free. Now say this, devil, I'm through with you. Every issue, every problem, all the drama, done forever. In Jesus' name, I'll never be the same. Never again. I'm not going back into an old way of living. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. My old life is dead. My new life has begun. I'm free. Now lift your voice and shout and thank the Lord that you're free. You're free. You're free. Come on, worship and worship. Part two. Say part two. Second thing we're going to do before we go is that the mighty power of the Holy Spirit is coming on people tonight. The mighty fire of God. This is what we need. We'll never take a generation without the power of the Holy Ghost. We'll never change anything without the fire of God. The fire of God burns down every obstacle in your path. It moves every enemy out of your way. It gives you momentum to run with force. It is the life that we need. So here's number two. Every person in this place that you want to be fresh fire and impartation of the Holy Spirit on this final night of conference, I want you to get out of your seat and come press toward the front of this altar. Come on, come all around. Come on this side. I'm telling you, get ready, get ready, get ready. Something's going to change. Something's going to change. You're not leaving uproar the same way you came here. You're leaving different. You're leaving different. You're leaving different. Sean, come here. Cody, come here. Um, is Pastor Spencer still here? He's in the back. Pastor, would you come? Look at every hungry heart. Now, we're going to do this to the best of our ability. We'll make it as easy. Pastor Marco, would you come help me? Here's what we're going to do. I know this is 
different for our conference, but that's why Cody has a vision for this kind of a conference. Because this is a Holy Ghost conference. Look at somebody next to you say, this is Holy Ghost. This is Holy Ghost. We're going to do this to the best of our ability. Make it as easy as we can. If you listen to my instructions, it will go quickly. And we'll be able to minister to every one of you. Here's what I want you to do. Jason, help me if you will. We're going to have you just wrap back along the wall and form a line. Because we're going to lay our hands on you and pray for every one of you. It won't take all night. It'll be quick. But here's what I want you to do. Begin to move back towards, back along the wall. Ushers, help me. Just begin to move back that way. Form a line. If you have to wrap around the building, wrap around the building. But just be quickly begin to move. Worship with something while they're moving, if you would. And just begin. Ushers, help me. Brad, help me. Marco, help me. Guys, help me. We're going to have you come through. We're going to lay hands on you one at a time quickly. And you're going to be filled with the mighty power and fire of the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout amen. Thank you for listening. We'd love for you to give us a review or go ahead and share this with your friends on social media. You guys mean the world to us. Go ahead and connect with us anywhere on social media or through our website, theupper.org. Have a great day.